2: Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
3: It's 12.03. It's Friday afternoon, March 3rd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart, the co-founder of a Chicago-based company that makes something beneficial to parents of newborns. We'll soon get some national TV coverage. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, developers have revealed plans to turn LaSalle Street offices into apartments. We're joined by Danny Ecker, reporter, Crane Chicago Business. Danny, thanks for joining us today. Now, this has gone from the conceptual stage to the actual buildings with actual plans stage. And some of these uh, buildings we're talking about in the LaSalle Street Office Canyon are some pretty well-known addresses that used to be home to some well-known companies.
0: Yeah, these are big buildings, very uh, historic, in some cases, landmark buildings. Um, and uh, we finally, yesterday, had uh, got to see some details, real plans and real... Uh, dollar figures tied to what developers were hoping to do remember this is all part of mayor lightfoot's LaSalle street reimagine initiative which launched in the fall and the idea is hey we've got a lot of empty office buildings on and around LaSalle street what can we do to restore foot traffic to the loop and and the idea is to convert a lot of these buildings into apartments uh, including a lot of affordable housing so we finally got to see uh, more details and some images and Uh, now in the next few weeks it'll be up to the city to decide which ones they'd like to move forward with and Uh, potentially commit tens of millions of dollars in TIF money to.
3: I'm going to use uh, one building as a notable example just because it's one that's probably familiar to a lot of people, and that is the former LaSalle Bank slash Bank of America headquarters on LaSalle Street, uh, just a couple of doors north of the Board of Trade building. Uh, That was an office building for a very long time until uh, Bank of America moved to uh, new shiny digs along the river at Randolph, What can you do with these glorious old 1930s Art Deco buildings to make them attractive to residential customers who who want lots of light, who want who want balconies, who want uh, lots of amenities? How, How can they transform this particular building?
0: Yeah, it's a good question, and that's that's the real challenge here. They aren't all conducive to that type of thing, and you got to make it so that people want to live there. And it was interesting to see what the owners of uh, 135 South of Sal want to do. In fact, it was actually the developer that built the new building for Bank of America on Wacker Drive that's now coming in and say, "Hey, let's do something with your old building too," uh, which is distressed. But the idea here is that they want to use a lot of the lower spaces in this building. To make, you know, public amenities, thinking of a grocery store and event space and retail to make to give LaSalle Street really what it needs, which is a reason for people to want to live there and amenities for people that do live there uh, or may eventually live there uh, down the road. So it, there's there's an interesting uh, plan of what they plan to do with the, sort of the shape that building has uh, sort of four corner smaller towers. And that's where a lot of these apartment units would be. Uh, so they would have some light and air. But, um, you know, it's it's always going to be a challenge, I think, uh, with uh, LaSalle Street Canyon um, getting the same kind of views you're looking for. But again, there's there may be people there, students, uh, work, uh, workforce housing that people want to live there and they want to be there, uh, even if it's not. Uh, the fanciest apartment or nicest
3: view. And very quickly, Danny, however, trends are on their side because downtown Chicago is one of the fastest-growing neighborhoods in the city.
0: Well, it, there's a lot of uh, growth in the apartment market. And, yeah, well, there's a report from the Loop Alliance saying that, uh, this, that Loop has added a lot, a lot of uh, residents since 2020. So, you know, the, the fundamentals are backing uh, these developers now, and now it's just a question of which ones the city wants to help fund and whether the developers can get the money to put it all together.
3: It's that Danny Ecker, reporter, Crane Chicago Business. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up, we'll talk with the maker of the world's only self-sanitizing diaper changing table about pitching it on Shark Tank. It's 60 minutes of financial planning. The WBBM Noon Business
2: Hour continues.
3: It's Entrepreneur Friday and we welcome in one of the women who patented the technology for the world's first self-sanitizing diaper changing table as she makes her pitch on the popular reality TV series Shark Tank. We welcome in Addie Gundry, founder and CEO of Pluie based in Chicago. The website HelloPluie.com and Addie, thanks for joining us today and uh, your Shark tank will air a week from today on abc so uh when did they contact you and how long how much time did you have to practice saying hello sharks
1: (laughs) great question thanks so much for having me love joining you uh it's been about a year which is wild to think about so the application process starts around february march and that's when we began They have over 40,000 applicants that we were told by some people, and they end up filming about 140 companies and then 96 air. So it's an incredibly competitive process, and a lot of people can even film and then not even air their episode, which after the amount of work that goes into it would be pretty painful. So we're so proud to be airing our episode next Friday on the 10th.
3: And what is it like to, to, as you clear every hurdle in that process, as it slowly, you know, dawns on you that this, this is real. We're actually going to do this thing on Shark Tank.
1: Yeah, it's pretty wild. From the application process, which is. A very extensive application. Every question you could ever imagine about your felt like whole life. Uh, but then it was really neat when we were assigned two producers. We began going through some due diligence. Every step became more and more real, you know, as especially we began thinking about that first opening, you know, hey, sharks, like you just said. And, you know, it still feels surreal to just even see pictures of us on the set. So it was a few months process. And then we filmed in July. So in a startup world, though, July feels like an eternity ago. And, and a lot has happened since. <laughs> and-
3: and and what what is that like to actually when when the show starts taping and you're on the set and you see Mark Cuban and everybody else and is is it is it almost like going to uh, uh, the Lincoln Memorial and seeing uh, Abe talking back to you? <laughs>
1: It really is. It's almost like they're like these wax figures. They feel really far away. They're very bright. Uh, You can hear a pin drop. You know, you don't hear the fun music that they play when they air the show. And so you're walking down that hall in complete silence, you know, and you get to your mark and you just stand there and it's like five people just staring at you, uh, and then it's like, and go, and you start your spiel. So it's very much not only just, of course, presenting your business case, but also very much sort of acting and performing. And so it's, it's really a, it's exhausting, and it's fun.
3: Well, you know, Addie, I'd like to say that the noon business hour uh, turned you into a, a seasoned performer. You got all of, the, all, all of the butterflies out on the radio in Chicago, so you had it down cold when you were on TV. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Exactly. And I'll tell you what, you better memorize that first opening performance because you might think you know something, but you get in that tank and it is intimidating. So uh, any any advice I can give anyone thinking about joining the show, it's a fun process, but know your stuff.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, at, at this point, you know, the legend of pluey lives on from the restroom on down about how uh, this was a diaper blowout at a restaurant and you tried to... Uh, Addressed that and thought the uh, facilities were unacceptable. Uh, hence, uh, Pluie, the uh, the UV self-sanitizing uh, diaper changing station. Think back on that entire journey to that one aha moment to ending up on Shark Tank. Uh, just you know, categorize that uh, that business journey uh, from building the business to to publicizing it.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's really wild. It's it's so personal uh, because the idea did stem from a real experience I had with my son, Cooper, who's now five, and he was a baby. And so it's really been sort of part of my whole life as a mom and uh, bringing this product into the world and then raising my first round of funding with my daughter when I was on maternity leave. And so seeing my kids part of it as well, I often joke Chloe is the cleanest and quietest part of our family or quietest children. But uh, it, it's been really amazing to see us build this business, to grow our team, and to be now you know, on a national stage showing what we've not only discovered as a pain point, something we can fix, a problem to be solved, but also a business to launch, which is very different. You can have an idea, but bringing it to life and executing is a whole other ballgame. And so I'm just really proud of our team, of the work, and you know, really thankful for our investors and the support. And it's just, it's amazing to, I think next Friday will still feel unreal a little bit, but you know, the nicest thing is I, I we've been telling a couple of people here and there and, and we're saying, oh my gosh, can you believe it? And a lot of people say, of course I can, you know, we love this product and people love it. And so that's honestly too, just as incredibly heartwarming to hear people say, that they're not surprised at all that we went on the show you know because of the progress we're making.
3: Addie Gundry founder and CEO of Pluie based in Chicago the website hellopluie.com and you can see her see her say Hello Sharks on Shark Tank, a week from today, March 10th on ABC. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon
2: Business Hour continues.
3: Our second entrepreneur today is an African-American family business owner who is celebrating a first place award for a spicy barbecue sauce in a national competition. Joining us now is Udell Watts IV, who is the co-founder of Old Arthur's Barbecue Sauces and Dry Rubs, based in Chicago. Udell, thank you for joining us today on the Noon Business Hour. Now, Old Arthur is a tribute to a long-lost relative.
4: Absolutely. Arthur was my great-great-grandfather, and the recipes that we are marketing were all developed at his hand literally 165,
3: 170 years ago. And uh, he was an emancipated slave. And, and I have to point out that uh, a lot of people may not know this, but the, the history of barbecue in America is largely tied into the history of black people in America.
4: Absolutely. Uh, Arthur's job as a, uh, a slave on the big production farm that owned him was uh, open pit barbecuing. That Farms sold meat commercially in the Kansas City area. It was Arthur's job to produce it. He uh, started when he was about 14 years of age. He was actually freed at the end of the Civil War through the Emancipation Proclamation at the age of 23. I'm sorry, 28. He was 28, and he literally took those recipes as the only thing of value with him out of bondage. He leveraged them for the entirety of his life as a free man here in Illinois, um, literally 80 years. The man died at 108, and up to that point, he was actively in demand as a pit master in
3: central Illinois. Uh, God bless him for, for living to 108 and uh, being active all the way up to that point. Now, were these, these, these recipes and cooking traditions uh, passed down through your family?
4: Absolutely. Uh, from father to son, uh, they've been passed on in our family through six generations. Uh, the amazing thing about them is Arthur, over the course of his lifetime, never stopped tinkering with them. Uh, you know, we make them true to his original recipe. We have his recipes by virtue of his children's handwriting because he was not literate. Um, and the amazing thing about it, as you pointed out at the beginning, for the second year in a row, our, one of his products has been named the best barbecue sauce in america uh by the national barbecue and grilling association which is the largest or one of the largest governing bodies behind the business of barbecue
3: and and how you know what i i love contests like this because they they seem like they must be a lot of fun to judge um just by by tasting different types of sauces and rubs and you know how how do you enter these types of contests and then by winning them that's got to be a tremendous tribute to arthur
4: Oh, absolutely. We're actually thrilled that in this day and age, his his legacy, the product of his life uh, is being recognized among the best of the best. And, you know, you can find any number of different uh, opportunities to put your product in front of the judges that are uh, determining what good looks like for, you know, a given industry. Ours happens to be barbecue. And um, just making sure that when they do their blinded taste tests, yours is among the the hundreds that they do tests. We were fortunate, you know, there were some four hundred uh, different sauces that this organization uh, you know, did a blinded t- taste test on, and we came out on top a second year in a row. Last year it was for Arthur's mild barbecue sauce in the category of mild tomato-based barbecue sauce. This year it was for his spicy barbecue sauce again in the category of spicy tomato-based barbecue sauces. Tomato-based barbecue sauce is the dominant barbecue sauce in America with some 70% of the market um, being comprised of uh, tomato-based barbecue sauce.
3: Udell Watch the Fourth, co-founder of Old Arthur's Barbecue Sauces and Dry Rubs based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today and for sharing your story. Still ahead, we'll speak with a medical professional who went from being a burn care nurse to the founder of a CBD company.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
4: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port Chicago, Illinois.
2: This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour
3: continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The Chicago area forecast calls for varying amounts of snow today. We'll get an update from AccuWeather. A day after being convicted of murdering his wife and son, South Carolina attorney Alec Murdaugh has been sentenced to life in prison. As we continue today's Noon Business Hour, we'll meet a former burn care nurse who now heads a Chicago-based CBD company, and ESPN is reported reportedly looking into launching a new live sports streaming feature. WBBM business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 293 points. The NASDAQ is up 190. The S&P 500 up 53. 37 degrees right now in Chicago under cloudy skies. The precipitation is pushing into the Chicago area right now from the south, but the amount will vary depending on where you're at, and it could either be rain or snow. Let's get the latest now from AccuWeather meteorologist Bill Dager.
5: Yeah, Rob, we'll call this a complicated winter storm across Chicagoland, and it really depends on where you're at, what you're going to see. And right now we're seeing a mix of rain and snow across parts of the southern suburbs and northwest Indiana. The question is, how far north does this this shield of precipitation get? I think it gets into the city here over the next hour or two in the immediate western suburbs in DuPage County, but not much further than that. Areas north and west may escape without any raindrops or snowflakes from this storm. While the city could see a slushy coating to an inch, the heavier amounts, again, will be south of the city and in northwest Indiana. That's where we can expect 1 to 3 inches, locally 3 to 6 inches in northwest Indiana. And there will be some slippery travel there for the evening commute and into the overnight hours after the snow ends, temperatures will go up below freezing. And that's the latest. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Bill Digger.
3: Disgraced former attorney Alec Murdaugh was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole this morning during, after a jury in South Carolina reached a guilty verdict in his double murder trial. He was convicted in the 2021 murders of his wife Maggie, their son Paul, and two counts of possession of a weapon during a crime. After the verdict was read yesterday, the defense moved to have it thrown out and a mistrial declared, but the judge denied that request, citing the massive amount of Evidence and testimony that the jury had considered. It's 12:32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are higher today. We're joined by Gary Kultbaum, president of Kulpbaum Capital Management, based in Orlando. Check out his website, GaryK.com. Gary, thank you for joining us today. The uh, market rally that began yesterday afternoon, uh, when uh, Atlanta Fed President Raphael Bostic said uh, that maybe we'll still stick to that uh, quarter-point uh, rate hiking schedule. Uh, it seems like that uh, rally is continuing because uh, they liked what they heard from what's what's basically the good cop. Well,
6: don't blink uh, because they can change their mind in the next hour. For me, uh, the most important part of the equation is not the Fed. It's actually what the real market is doing. And, and let me just, uh, for your listeners, make it simplistic. On February 2nd, yields bottom. That's the 10-year yield that for mortgages, uh, for borrowing, the whole works. That day, the market topped. For a month, the yields persistently went higher. Markets persistently went lower. Yesterday, we had a reversal day in the market, and guess what yields did today? They plunged. So we have that direct correlation between the 10-year yield and the market again, and as long as yields cooperate, the market does better. Just keep in mind, though, we remain at what we call this range-bound mess that you know, it's like ping pong back and forth and the job is to selectively find uh the great leadership in the market there's not much but there's some things starting to show up
3: and then when it comes to uh fighting inflation this really is a worldwide problem and the central banks in a number of countries are kind of learning the lesson the fed is and that is the the economy all over the world is just simply far too resilient it's uh, it's it's proven to be uh uh, Im- impervious to interest rate hikes so far.
6: Uh, well, here's the good news. Interest rates, even though they're way up from the lows, they're actually at a normal level where they're supposed to be. Uh, so the, the thing about the economy spe- here and around the globe, especially here, uh, people get used to it over time. The problem is if inflation starts to reaccelerate again and re- goes into the trees again, interest rates will have to account for it. And that could be a problem going forward. So you've got to keep a very close eye on this stuff. I, I don't think we can just sit back and say everything's A-OK. You do know what I think of the Fed. They caused most of this uh, with the rest of the central banks around the globe printing you know, tens of trillions of dollars causing it. Uh, hopefully they get it right this time.
3: The first rate hikes were almost a year ago. And there was an interesting uh, piece of analysis from this morning from someone who said that uh, really interest rates are supposed to be, they're supposed to be at 2%. And that going off of that metric, that really we've only been hiking interest rates for six months and it's too early to tell.
6: Uh, well, I'm not in any camp that interest rates are supposed to be anywhere Uh, I'm a big believer that the market will dictate policy over time. Uh, That's the free markets, by the way, not what the central banks uh, did when they took rates down to 0%. Uh, I think they're very efficient. I think they work themselves out very well in time. Uh, When they get too high, they come down. When they get too low, they go up. Unfortunately, we have these people, I call them control freaks, that – uh, interfere with the, the free flow of things, and that's where things get screwed up. That's when we got all those bubbles that have now popped and crashed and lost people a lot of money, and hopefully they learn a lesson from that, but I'm not so sure they have.
3: And then uh, where are we at now just in terms of market activity? I mean, what, what, are we just sitting around uh, waiting for the next round of, uh, of inflation numbers to come out?
6: Uh, well, unfortunately, it's, you know, it's a monthly thing that we hear about inflation, Deflation, GDP, and all that. Uh, The best thing I can tell you is the NASDAQ right now is sitting where it was last May. Uh, No gains. The good news is not as bad as the bear market. This S&P is sitting where it was last May. So we're kind of sort of in this range bound. The good news is we're off the lows. There has been improvement off the lows. I think those will be the lows. I just don't think we're out of the soup just yet, and you got to be very, very careful. And again, if interest rates, the real interest rates start heading towards 4.5 and, and 5, I suspect the market's going to uh, head back down again in a pretty meaningful, meaningful fashion. So keep an eye on that.
3: Gary Kulpaum, president of Kulpaum Capital Management, based in Orlando. Check out his website, GaryK.com. Coming up next, we'll talk with a former burn care nurse who is now the head of a CBD company. It's the only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. A one-time burn care nurse is now the CEO of a Chicago-based CBD company. Here to talk about his career journey is Ed Donnelly, CBD expert and founder of Amores. CBD, based in Chicago, founded 2018. Ed, uh, thanks for joining us today, and 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 tell us a little bit about your journey, how you got here, because you were th- you had 35 years of experience working as a burn center nurse in New York. How did you become an entrepreneur?
7: Well,
8: thanks for having me here, Rob. Today, uh, yeah the burn the burn nurse. Uh, I was the son of a mailman in famous Levittown, New York. Uh, first. First kid to go to college, became a nurse, uh, worked in the burn center, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, What a challenging and scary place. And, you know, just people uh, have some horrific injuries and my first real exposure to pain and that embedded in my head. I went on. I was five years in the burn center. I went and did medical sales, medical devices, Ultimately, my career career spanned 35 years. I was the CEO of three different companies. The last one I took public, and I retired in 2012 as a grandpa of six, and I was <clears throat> perfectly happy doing that until my wife sustained a fall, and she had chronic back issues, and she was in agony. And I found CBD for her. She did not want opioids due to the opioid crisis. I found CBD, and it was a miracle. She was so comfortable, but it was greasy, and it had THC in it. So I sat there, scratched my head, and I said, "This can be done right. This can be done so much better. Why are they doing this so foolishly?" So with scientists I'd worked with in the past, we developed our own cream called Amour. A M O U R. Our website is Amour cbd.com, but it's odor-free. It is THC-free, zero THC, and I went one step further. I FDA registered it because I looked at this, again, from my experience and said, these people are not registering this with the FDA. Why are they not doing it? And I know there's one reason, cost, two reasons, cost and time. I invested the money, uh, I spent a, a year doing it, and the first article that came out on me was Ed Donnelly does CBD right. So your listeners know if they go to a more CBD.com, they're going to get simply the best and the safest, underline safest, safest and most effective. The stories we're getting of people and their relief are mind-boggling. And, again, it goes back to me being a nurse. I, was... I know if, if you take care of the patient you will have success.
3: Now I was going to ask you that uh, I had some some really dear friends of mine uh, one is a nurse and and uh, the 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 sense I get from hearing her talk about her job is that nurses probably know the healthcare system better than anybody else because they see all sides of the healthcare process, the business of healthcare, the administration of care. They know everything. And do you think that gave you a unique insight, not only in the medical device business, but also in what you're doing right now?
8: No doubt, Rob. No doubt. Physicians are absolutely wonderful. Thank God we've got them and the science that goes on. I have a granddaughter that's had two heart transplants. So, my God, I appreciate physicians. But nurses spend more time with the patients they spend more time with the patients families they listen they hear and absolutely throughout my career I'm still a registered nurse today I wouldn't give up that license and so that patient sensitivity gave me an advantage over my entire career and it's giving me an advantage today and I wanted to tell you listeners if they go to a more and they enter March Madness 50, they're going to get 50% off anything they want to buy. So that's March Madness 50. But uh, I'm proud of my nursing heritage and proud of all your friends that are nurses.
3: And then uh, very quickly, Ed, uh, just just so people know, know, the C in CBD stands for cannabinoid, and it's a derivative of marijuana. What properties does it possess that uh, makes it so beneficial in pain relief?
8: Excellent question, Rob. The, uh, the hemp oil, the CBD, produce, it has the effectiveness of 30 times, three zero times the anti-inflammatory properties of, say, an ibuprofen or something else. So the way this works is our lidocaine gives immediate comfort, but it opens the highway for the CBD to be delivered uh, to the affected joint. So our cream is our number one product, but we also have gummies and tinctures. But again, the most important thing, everything is THC-free. We had a Chicago school bus driver lose her job. Not us, but she lost her job because she tested positive for THC. So anti-inflammatory is the answer there.
3: Ed Donnelly, CBD expert, founder of Amore CBD, based in Chicago, founded 2018. Thank you for joining us today. Still to come, we'll look at a feature that ESPN is reportedly interested in launching. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. ESPN is reportedly looking into being the hub of all live sports streaming, even if it helps competitors. Joining us now with the details is Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertair Group based in Chicago. Tim, thank you for joining us today. Is this just an example of perhaps evolution or consolidation in the streaming space as interest interest rates rise and financing dries up?
7: Well, I think Rob, the, uh, the the concept is is very similar to what we've been talking about on the on previous um, uh, occasions. Is it, the streaming is getting complicated. Uh, arguably, it's been that way for a while, as more choices become uh, available to consumers. And uh, I think ESPN is pretty smartly uh, trying to sort of figure out maybe how. In the sports realm, uh, given so much now that streaming is part of that mix, uh, how do they how do they create more uh, of a reason to make ESPN and its properties more indispensable to consumers? Uh, as they rightly could, because ESPN is a brand uh, that is synonymous with it's even in their uh, their tagline the, the the worldwide leader in sports. So it, it stands to reason under that brand proposition that. Uh, They could be a hub um, and help uh, consumers consume sports, uh, even if it means uh, going away from their properties. But again, there there are economic benefits to it. Um, But being a hub, being a starting point, being a first button push uh, is not a bad strategy, even if it means uh, pushing people away to... Uh, other events that might not be on the ESPN set of properties.
3: Now, is this potentially a lifeline for a number of regional sports networks that were uh, under the Sinclair umbrella that recently declared bankruptcy?
7: Well, I, you know, that, I think that's a different ball of wax. I mean, I think the, the model of regional sports networks, Marquee included, see, uh, NBC Sports Chicago included, uh, that's all tied to the cable bundle model. And I think we've talked about that before, too. The the reality is that uh, people are subscribing less and less and maintaining those subscriptions less and less. Uh, I think what you will see is uh, sports leagues and teams and events and properties become more directly distributed to consumers in some way, shape, or form. Um, but regardless, this idea the ESPN has is wherever that is, let's link to it. And uh, if we can provide a service in doing so, you conceivably we'll think more of ESPN as your first go-to to to figure out where stuff is. And ultimately that'll be good for ESPN, especially as they, continue to grow their properties.
3: As well. it, it's a little bit intimidating to watch this whole thing come together, but it's also very exciting because it really is just an age old problem. You have a new piece of technology, relatively new, that everyone's comfortable with. And whether it's TV in the 50s or cable in the 70s, you got to find some way to uh, fill that need and also make money off of it.
7: Yeah and I think look it's 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 if you want to use the old analogy it's TV guide all over again right and uh, the idea of being able just to help people find stuff whether and that's not just sports but television programs and series and movies uh, it's complicated and with more choices out there that's going to be uh, an important part of the mix is to help people find what they want to watch.
3: Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertaire Group based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of the noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at com and the Odyssey app.